Let's turn in our Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. A very familiar passage. And I just want to, to share a few words from it this evening as we prepare our hearts to partake in the Lord's Supper. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Father, as we pause this evening, we thank you for the privilege of being able to spend time in your word before we partake of the emblems. This is a special time, a special time when the body of Christ is able to come together and remember you, remember your sacrifice, remember what you did on the cross at Calvary for us. Remember what it means. Remember what we have gained as a result. And there's an opportunity for us to pause, to do so in a manner that is honoring and glorifying to you. As we look into your word this evening, we pray that we be reminded afresh, challenged, about how we should come before you during this time. We thank you again. In Jesus' name. Amen. Before we go to 1 Corinthians, put your fingers in 1 Corinthians 11, let's turn to Acts chapter 2. And I want to read a passage similar to what our brother Nicholas shared this morning. And when he talked about the importance of prayer, and when he talked about that passage, maybe it reminded me of a portion of what I wanted to share this, this, um, this evening. Acts chapter 2, verses 37 through 47, and it reads as follows. Now, when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God should call. And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. Then they that gladly received this word were baptized, and the same day were added unto them about 3,000 souls. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, and fellowship, and breaking of bread, and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles, and all they believed were together and had all things common. So their possessions and goods parted them to all men as every man had need. And they continued, continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house. And eat them with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily as such, such as should be saved. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. They had all things in common. They continued daily with one accord, eating their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. Four key things they mentioned there. The Apostles' Doctrine, fellowship, breaking of bread and prayers. And they especially mentioned that singleness, that oneness of heart, that togetherness. As you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 11, 
the church at Corinth had a problem. After all of that that occurred in the book of Acts, things had departed from that oneness and that unity, that singleness of heart. If we read our text, it says in 1 Corinthians 11, verses 17 through 34, Now in this that I declare unto you, I praise you not, that you come together not for the better, but for the worse. First of all, and it says that they came together for the better, for the worse. For first of all, when you come together in the church, I hear that there is divisions among you. And I partly believe. And he continues, For there must be also heresies among you, that they which are approved may be made manifest among you. When you come together, therefore, into one place, this is not to eat the Lord's Supper. For in eating, every one taketh before other his own supper, and one is hungry, and other is drunken. What have you not houses to eat and to drink in, or despise you the church of God, and shame them that have not? What shall I say unto you? Shall I praise you in this? I praise you not. For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he brake it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. And after the same manner also he took the cup which he had, when he had supped, saying, This is the cup, is the new testament of my blood. This to you as often as ye drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death till he come. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily, eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord, that we should not be condemned with the world. Therefore, my brethren, when ye come together to eat, tarry one for another. And if any man hunger, let him eat at home, that ye come not together unto condemnation. And the rest will I set in order when I come. There were several challenges that were going on in the Corinthian church, as I said earlier. Initially, in the, as the body of Christ was being formed in the book of Acts, you see the church growing, you see the unity, persons having everything in common, you see the sharing, and the needs were being met by those that had. Those that had shared with those that didn't. And we saw that the church's needs were met. There was oneness. But the Corinthian church had lost that. When you look at the Corinthian church, they had various challenges. And some of the things that were highlighted in this passage, there were divisions among them. There were heresies, as you see. Uh, they were bringing themselves, coming together. They were only concerned about themselves. There was an attitude of pride and self-centeredness. There was excessiveness. There was profaning of the Lord's Supper. Does anyone want to look at this issue in the Corinthian church and see how it may speak to us and our attitude and our preparation as we come before the Lord's Supper? I know when I read this text this afternoon, a lot of you said, we have heard this over and over. We read this every Sunday before we break bread. 
But I want us to look at the text afresh and look how serious it is because along with the partaking of the Lord's Supper comes <clears throat> some serious implications from the text to the point that if we don't conduct ourselves properly during this feast, Scripture speaks to the fact that individuals were weak, sick, and some had even fallen asleep. And it all spoke to the Lord's Supper. It says, Now in this I declare unto you, I praise you not that ye come together not for the better, but for the worse. They were coming together for the wrong motives in the Corinthian church. They weren't coming together strictly for worship. But when you read the text, they wanted to, they were coming together to show distinction between the rich and the poor. It says, for first of all, when you come together in the church, I hear that there are divisions among you, and I partly believe. So even though we were coming together to break bread, seeming to come, seemingly coming together for a common purpose, even in doing that, there were divisions. There were cliques, tears, rifts within the body of Christ while partaking of the Lord's Supper, there was actual division in the body of Christ. And Paul said, that's the problem. He also says, for there must also be heresies among you, that they which are approved may not be, may be made manifest among you. Not just divisions and, and tears in the body, but heresies, difference of opinions with regard to doctrine and, and teaching. There was discontent and contention. Individuals were arguing back and forth about beliefs in the Corinthian church. So yet under the guise of partaking of the Lord's Supper, supposedly an act of unity, an act of remembrance of, of oneness, there was division in the Corinthian church. Heresies, problems, divisions. He says, when ye therefore come together into one place, that is to eat the Lord's Supper. It is not. Sit. You're supposed to be coming together to remember the Lord and to partake of the Lord's Supper. But you're coming together for other reasons. Listen to what was going on. For in eating, everyone taketh before other his own supper. The rich people were coming into the, into the Lord's Supper with their own food. Those well-off Christians brought their own food with them. When they got into the church, they got together by themselves. And those that had ate. Those in the body of Christ who did not have when they came to the Lord's Supper came and they had nothing to eat. And those that had didn't share. There was no oneness, even in this supper. He said, you were supposed to be coming together to remember the Lord. But you having this, 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 this group over there having their party and this other group over there struggling. Is this how we are supposed to conduct ourselves? You say the reason we have come together is to partake of the Lord's Supper, but this cannot be so based on your attitude of greed, your, your excessiveness. Persons were actually getting drunk during the Lord's Supper. They were taking the Lord's Supper and making it into some sort of party, some sort of excessive revelry. They were showing greed, selfishness, Pride, persons were coming and showing off. What you have not a house to eat and to drink in? Do you despise the church of God? Do you not show God's house proper reverence? And you shame them that have not. In other words, you are coming there in a manner to show off what you had and to show up, the, show up those that didn't have. The whole point Paul is trying to make is that individuals were coming 
that the Lord suffer with the wrong motives, with the wrong attitude, with the wrong perception, with the wrong frame of mind. They thought it was all about them. And he had to say, let me explain to you about this. This is not about you. This is not about us. And we come to remember the Lord's Supper. It's about us remembering him. And sometimes I think we get the focus off of God. We come to church and we talk about worship. Worship is all about him. Ascribing to him what is due to him. And when we come to the Lord's Supper, it is also an act of worship. And Paul wants to remind them, don't come with the wrong motives. Don't come with the divisions and the heresies, the cliques, the excessiveness. You must come with the right attitude. Paul says, For I have received of the Lord that which I also delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat. This is my body which is broken for you. This you do in remembrance of me. It's not about you. It's not about showing person what you have and what you don't have. It's, it's coming to the table with the right attitude. The focus and the attention should be on our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. After the same manner also he took the cup and when he had supped saying this cup is the New Testament in my blood this ye do, do ye as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of me. We must remember, focus on, and be reminded of the sacrifice of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And the words that are used in this text are actually commands. We're commanded to remember him when we come together. We're commanded when we come here not to allow ourselves to get distracted. I remember when my wife and I were, were visiting um, Tony Evans' church. We were doing a course over there. And one of the pastors were talking about one of the things that happened in his service. He was watching the congregation during the breaking of bread service. And in one of the services, he noticed the attitude of the individuals doing the breaking of bread. He said one in particular individual, a young man, was sitting in the church. And as he picked up the, the bread out of the plate, he sat there with the bread and wine. He sat there and he was shaking the bread in his hand like he was playing dice. Not discerning the Lord's body. And again, I'm not saying that you're not getting into the Catholic perspective of the bread and the wine being the actual body, but recognizing that when we come together, this is to remember the Lord and we need to keep our hearts and minds focused on that and show this time its due reverence. Isaiah says, he bore our griefs carried our sorrows. We did esteem him, stricken, smitten of God and afflicted, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him and with his stripes we are healed. He did it for us. We need to keep our hearts and minds focused on him. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death 
until he come. As often, whenever we do it, sometimes I wish we could do it more often. Sometimes I wish we could do it every week or every other Every other week, we do it every other week. I wish we could do it every week. Some churches do it every week. I remember the church I came from, breaking of bread was every Sunday evening. Breaking of bread and prayer meeting. Someone said, they wish we did it every week because maybe it would help us as Christians to keep short accounts with God. We show forth, we announce, we proclaim, we celebrate, we make public the Lord's death until he come. We show the world that we believe that our Lord and Savior sacrificed himself on the cross for us. He died on the cross for our sins. And we show them that we are identifying ourselves with him and the sacrifice that he made for us. We want the world to know. We want them to see this is our God. This is what he has done for us. And we want you to see that we are appreciative. We are thankful. We are grateful. We are remembering him until he comes. And we're doing it until he comes. We're letting you know. We're looking forward to his return. He is coming back and we partake of it because we are looking forward to his return. He has come. He suffered and he died on the cross. He went and he said he is coming back. And we're remembering this. We want you to see it. We're making a public declaration. We're not ashamed. We're not afraid. We're letting the world know. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. Because of all of this, we understand the eating of the bread and the drinking of the cup, and we're supposed to remember the Lord. Because we understand it shows his death until he comes. Because of this, we're going to eat this bread and drink this cup in the proper manner, with the proper attitude. Because if we don't, we are going to be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. If we drink it in an unworthy manner, if we drink it in a condition that describes how we partake of it, we don't show the Lord's table the proper respect if we treat it like a common feast, if we don't elevate it to its rightful place and come with that proper attitude, that proper frame of mind, that proper position and proper condition, if we don't do this, we're going to be guilty of the body of the blood of the, and the Lord. We are showing that we disrespect the Lord's supper. We are disrespecting the actual sacrifice of the Lord, just like those who disrespected him when they crucified him on the cross. If we don't come in the worthy manner, if we don't demonstrate with our conduct and our attitude as we enter into God's presence to partake of the Lord's Supper, we are just like those individuals who sacrificed and crucified our Lord on the cross. Because we don't come with the proper attitude. We come and we partake unworthily. We don't show it its proper respect. He says, but when we come, Let's examine ourselves. Instead of eating and drinking unworthily, check yourself. Examine, scrutinize, test, try. Do I have the right attitude? Am I in the right relationship with the right fellowship? This is one of the reasons why we ask persons, before you partake, are you, are you in the right condition? Are you in the right position? And if you're not, 
Right now is the good time for you to come to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and personal Savior. So you would be able to partake and eat in a worthy manner. We are to scrutinize, to test ourselves. And know the purpose of the examination is not to give you a reason not to eat. It says, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. I, I, I've heard it before. Boy, you know, I, I, I can't partake of the breaking of bread because I, I, I ain't get myself right. Or oh, I got little issue. The whole idea is that since you are coming to the Lord's table, prepare yourself. Not to say you can't eat or you shouldn't eat. Prepare yourself so you can eat. So you can't, but because it's something you should want to do, knowing, and I mean it, it, it happens in such a way that you have time. We know when we're going to break bread. So we can prepare ourselves. We can prepare our hearts. We can prepare ourselves for breaking. It is not a time to look for an excuse not to take. But it's an opportunity for you to examine yourself. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation upon himself, not discerning the Lord's body. Because if you eat and drink unworthily, you're going to eat judgment. If you eat and drink unworthily, you're going to be judged and punished for your actions. God is displeased because you're not discerning, you're not coming with the right attitude, not coming in the right frame of mind, not coming in the right condition, not seeing the difference and distinction between this feast and others. This is not like celebrating some political party. This is not like celebrating some athlete. The King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Creator, the Almighty. When we come to partake of these emblems, this is not some common feast. And our attitude should not be one of commonality. My wife made the statement this morning when the praise and worship team was describing what they had seen at the, uh, on, on the movie War Room. Thaddeus made it a point to, to not use the word awesome. Because when we use that word awesome, we've talked about it before, that word should be used to, to describe only one person. God, he's the only one who is awesome. And when we come to partake of these emblems, we come to remember our not comparable to anyone or anything unique. And we come, we should come with that in mind. And because some individuals have come in a manner eating and drinking unworthily, not discerning the Lord's table, the Lord's body, many are weak, sickly among you, and many sleep. I know sometimes when we read this text, we like to gloss over that. We quickly read through that and say, you know what? Okay, yes, that's a part of the text, but we're coming to remember the Lord's table. When I consider that, I said, Lord, what, you, what you're telling me and what your, Paul is saying to the Corinthian church, because of the attitude and the conduct that they displayed when they came together to partake of the Lord's Supper, because they didn't show the table as proper reverence, because of their conduct with their fellow man partaking and the way they carried themselves during the Lord's Supper. You're saying that many are weak and sickly among you 
and many sleep. I look at the word many, and I said, is that the same many that we talk about many? Like a lot? And it means many. There were many persons who were sick, weak, and dead. Because when they came to the Lord's table, they came in an irreverent manner, not discerning and recognizing and acknowledging and giving this service its proper reverence and due. He said, Lord, you, maybe this was for back then. This was, this was the, the Corinthian church. This, this can't be for us today. And maybe when we read that, that's the way we think, you know. We think this is it's not as serious today as it was back then. God is not as serious now as he was back then. Maybe the, 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 the reverence of the feast is not the same now as it would back in the Corinthian church. Do we really believe that? Do we conduct ourselves like that sometimes? That we don't give it the reverence? Do we think that the God who, who dealt with the Corinthian church like this is prepared to deal with us? Like that, if we come to the wrong attitude. And bear in mind, the thing I like about this text is Paul says, I want you to bear in mind, this is not a, a judgment just to beat you down. And he explains it. He says, many are weak, many are sick, many are dead, but if you would judge yourselves, we should not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord that we should not be condemned with the world. And those two judges that you see in the text are different. When you say, for when we judge ourselves, that's the discerning, that's the, the trying yourself, that's the testing yourself, that's the, the looking and examining yourself and making sure that before you partake, you have the right attitude, the right frame of mind, your position is right before God and your fellow man. So when you partake, you are acknowledging and recognizing the seriousness of what we're involved in. Because if you were to judge yourself, then God doesn't have to judge you. But when he judges you, it is not a judgment that leads to condemnation. It is a chastisement, a means of teaching, a means of instruction, so we will not receive the world's judgment or condemnation. Hebrews 12, 5 through 11, as far as I'm going to clear it up. And ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children, my son, Despise not the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourges every son whom he receiveth. If you endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the Father chasteneth not? He loves us. You're his children. And if we don't conduct ourselves in the appropriate manner, the very love that he has for us, he has to chasten us. Because he loves us. But if ye be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then ye are bastards and not sons. If you're not being chastised, then you're not, a, you're not a part of God's family. You're not his son. The fact of chastisement tells us that God loves us. Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us, and we have given them reverence. Shall we not much more rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirits and live? For they verily for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure. But he for our profit. 
that we might be partakers of his holiness. Now chastening, no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward, it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised or trained thereby. So if we check ourselves and we recognize that there is a disciplined process in our lives going on that could be speaking to our attitude and conduct when we come before the Lord's table. And the Lord is chastening us. If we're smart, we would allow that chastening to do its rightful work and lead to the fruit of righteousness and holiness. And we will conduct ourselves accordingly. The question is to us this evening, are we responding to the judgment, to the chastisement? Are we recognizing some of our conditions as a judgment for our treatment of the Lord's Supper? Do we recognize how serious our Lord's view is of this sacred, sacred feast that we partake of? So before we so quickly and so easily just take the bread and wine and believe that we can eat and drink, recognize how serious it is and follow scripture. As I'm coming, before I partake, it can happen here in the service, it can happen at home, whenever, prior to partaking, judge, examine yourself. When I enter into this feast, what attitude do I have? What condition am I in? And am I partaking in a worthy manner, giving the feast the due reverence that is due recognizing I'm doing it in remembrance of the one who gave his body and his blood for me. Paul says, conduct yourselves properly. Tarry for one another. Give it its due respect so that you have to come unto condemnation. It is a serious feast that our Heavenly Father takes seriously and one that we should not take for granted. It has challenged me afresh to not look at this in a casual, simple manner. This is serious to the point of death. Serious. And I pray that we, as members of the body of Christ at Calvary Bible Church, whenever we come together, would come together with that attitude prepare ourselves to partake and eat in a worthy manner to the honor and glory of our Savior who gave his life for us. In Jesus' name, amen.